Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the World of Ink Network, founded in 2011 by Virginia Grenier and Marsha Cook. Their vision was to start a radio show that helped writers reach their dreams. The World of Ink has a wonderful group of hosts who are dedicated to delivering shows to entertain and inspire listeners. The World of Ink Network shares resources that introduce tips, products, and services to help strengthen, support, and challenge those who love writing and the written word. Their hope is to bring not only authors, illustrators, and publishers together, but screenwriters, directors, and producers. New to the network will be a variety of special shows, bringing not only entertaining shows, but informative discussions on timely subjects. To learn more about us, go to www.worldofinknetwork.com or visit us on our Facebook and Twitter pages. Thank you for your support and enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. It's uh, Marcia Cook, and uh, we are restarting our show, so I'm not going to repeat what I did in case the this will work, but uh, Lee Michaels is my guest, and she's a wonderful guest. She's written more than 100 books, and I think she's going to call back in. So I'll tell you a little bit about what I said before, because I'm not sure that you had heard that. Uh, We have a new spot on Michigan Avenue Media, World of Ink podcast. It's a group, and if you listen to our shows or are on our shows, you can possibly, um, oh, there she is, you can post there and then we will be able to um, advertise you and I'll be posting for you and helping you out with posting and here's Lee. Just... Lee, is that I'm you? I'm here. Hi, it's I'm redoing me. the show. I have no idea if this is going to work out, but I'm redoing the show. We have time. I don't know what happened. So yeah, I fine. don't think that part, of it, we're starting all over, I think. So okay. um we're going to hope for the best here. If not, I really don't. We've, this has never happened, so I don't know. Okay, <laughs> technical, fun. So it says I have it over an hour. Sorry. So um, we were talking about before, um, I think if we don't, we probably should say again, I want you to talk about a little your, of what you do, so then we'll sure. go on with the rest of it. I'm so sorry. I don't okay. know what happened. <laughs> no clue. Lee is yeah. my special so guest. We're just, gonna and I'm gonna have, we're just basically going to start over again. Yes, I, well, we're hoping. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Nine years of shows. Okay, this never happened. All right, anyway, so there's it's always a new day. Uh, Lee is my guest, and Lee is going to talk a little bit about herself, and then we're going to go into talking about how to write a great romance. But even if it's just romance that we're talking about, does it applies to all writing? So go ahead, Lee. It certainly does. Yeah. Um, thank you, Marcia. It's good to be good to be on your show. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have been um, actively full-time writer for many, many years. I wrote 80 books for Harlequin. I wrote sweet traditional contemporary romance for them for years. And then I turned to writing spicy historical romance set in the Regency period. And I also have just recently released um, a new version of writing the romance novel. This is the fifth edition of that book. The fourth edition was published by Writer's Digest Books and under the title of On Writing Romance. But the new edition is out now updated. Uh, more information about independent publishing, self-publishing, 
and new genres that have started up since the last version came out. So it's it's an exciting um, new new um, edition of that book. Okay, you know I, I think that you know because you've written so many different styles and there's so many different writers that are listening to the show, and um, how to I mean a lot of times. You think you can write, and you just, you know, people say, oh, it's not that easy. And everybody says, oh, yeah, I'd like to write a book. But as we know, it's not that easy. So, like, what would your advice be for somebody? And if they just want to, they have a story in their mind, what would be a good way for them to start out? And without being too hard that they will give up, you know how because you know how that goes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, of course, there's there's always taking a class, which helps a lot. Um, there's also reading reading the books about how to write helps get you um, started and and into into a frame of mind because there's there's a lot of preparation that goes into it isn't just starting from page one and writing to the end of the book and um, a lot of times people do that and then they get do get very discouraged but mainly the way to write is way to learn to write is is to write a lot and write whatever whatever comes along. And remember that, you know, people who play music at Carnegie Hall, even though they're very, very, very good, they still practice every day. Oh, and right. writing is that kind of a skill too. We I I we we tend to with writing say, well once it's written down, you know, I don't want to throw it away, I don't want to change it, I don't want to you know, I, I want to do it right and right the first time. And, you know, we can't do that with tennis and we can't do that with violin uh why would we expect to be able to do that with writing but we tend to i guess because it's in a fixed form yeah and you know and, and i think a lot of authors when they first go you know they, they have one book out and they go can i really do another one and sometimes you're so worried that you're not going to the audience won't like it. If you've certainly written a really good book and they like it, and the second time comes and you go like, oh, my God, can I do this? You know, and I think every yeah. author goes, I think most authors would go second through that, book, don't you second think? Second book panic, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the other reason for that is that when we write the first book, we're writing it for the sheer joy of writing. It's the story of our heart. It's We're writing it the way we want to. There's no time limit. There's no deadline. There's nobody right. waiting for it. There's There's no... Um, but then once you've sold that first book and you've gone through the editorial process and all that, then when you write the second one, you're thinking, oh, boy, what's the editor going to think about this? Is she going to like this part? Is she going to want to change me to change this part? And so, you know, all of a sudden, it's a different audience you're writing for. And many times if the author can just lock that editor in the closet and just write the book for the fun of it, it will yeah. be just as successful. Um, but trying to edit and write right. at the same time is very difficult. And go and not go back, you know, because like sometimes, you know, I, I give the advice, just keep going on, but I don't always take that advice because I go back. You know, sometimes we can't help ourselves mm-hmm. to go back, and we see because sometimes you, it has to fit right, and sometimes you sometimes, need to go. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes the foundations aren't right, and so we do have to go back and, and fix those, and then we can go on. There's, you know, if the, if the, characters aren't right or the or the conflict isn't isn't strong enough then it's really sort of an exercise in futility to keep on writing until you have enough yeah. words on the on the paper and because the story needs to be reorganized right. i've had guests on that say that they've just thrown away like thousands and thousands of words that they've written 
because they go like they didn't like where they were going. So they got rid well, of the beginning and yep. just started right from wherever they are. <laughs> you know, well, which two, could happen. Two, two, two stories there. One is that I did burn my first six books. I literally really? took them out in the backyard in the fire pit and burned the paper. Yes. Uh, yeah. And it <laughs> was probably one of the Why? best things that I did because they weren't working and burning oh that burning those pages freed me from the temptation to keep trying to rework stuff that hadn't worked the first time and wow. left me free to start fresh <laughs> and actually everything that was good about those first few books stayed in my head and eventually I used it in other projects but it was very freeing to just let go of that Wow. And still, for every Nobody's ever said that. that I've, I finished, never, heard I start that. I've never heard that. That's like oh, greatest advice. <laughs> no, yeah. I've um, never. And, and I often start um, and get a, a chapter or two into something and say, you know, this isn't working. And then I'll either go back and start it over again from a different point or with a, with a different, sometimes, you know, flip the character's conflicts so that what I thought was bugging him is actually bugging her. You know, different situations, flip their, their life stories, all kinds of, of different approaches. But I have enough first chapters in a file drawer that will never go anywhere. And oh. I'm actually <laughs> thinking about putting them together into a book because it's instructive <laughs> of why those first chapters fail. Okay. <laughs> but, and so now, but now you know, but when you were writing them, did you plan to go back or just were you just writing them and then you gave up right then but at that time I well I was I would get a chapter into the book and find myself you know saying I don't care I don't care what happens to these people right. and yeah. so I would look at it again and say is there a way that I can make myself care or is this situation just not going to work right so and, in other words you say if you're bored or you don't like your story that means yeah, you if I'm bored story. and I don't care what happens to, to the characters, then how can I expect the reader to get involved with those people? Yeah, yeah. I see that's a, mm-hmm. see that's the thing. But then sometimes you could also say that maybe you're too critical, or like I would say, oh, maybe I'm too critical. Maybe it isn't the way I'm reading it. You know, maybe somebody else will find mm-hmm. it interesting. But if you can't go on after that, that means there's that's it. There's no story. There's it. There's no okay. story that's that, and somebody else might be able to tell that story, but I can't. So that's the that's the crucial factor there. Um, but you know, also later on in a project, I would find myself getting getting bored with it, and that was one of the reasons that I always kept a timesheet because I could look back at the amount of of time, actual time that I had spent working on that chapter that was boring me. Um, wow. And maybe I'd had interruptions. Maybe I'd been working at it for a week instead of a day or two like I would have liked to be. Well, sometimes the boredom comes from just the fact that I'm tired of it rather than that there's something wrong with the chapter. So that was keeping a timesheet helped me a lot. So what it you, kept me I honest. Guess it, I've not, so how do you, I mean, you just decide exactly, you, you write down the time you started and how much you worked on it. I write down the time I started and, and um, I would... If I left the the computer for longer than to go get a cup of coffee, I would sign myself out. I'd sign out at lunchtime and go back. Wow. And so at the end of the day, I could add up that I had been there for four hours or I'd been there for eight hours or I'd been there for ten hours. And then wow. I would just jot a note about what I had accomplished that day. And um, and then I could just I could look back and see, 
I could also look back at at significant events in my life and see sometimes if if I had a had bad news, then that would affect the progress of the book, and yeah, yeah, I could yeah, tell exactly yeah. where it went wrong. Yeah. See, what I used to do sometimes is I would, which I, I do think was good for me, when I just went, you know, not in my office, not, you know, at home, just went to have a cup of coffee and just wrote longhand, and then I got a lot out. Mm-hmm. Okay, I wasn't expecting yes. that much of myself, and I wasn't, because I really didn't get writer's block. And I think sometimes now, I do sometimes, because I, and I think what you just said is because I, if I'm bored, that means mm-hmm. I need to stop this. And then I, that I, I try to write a couple of stories at a time because I've had guests on that say, oh, they write three books at a time. I don't think I can do that. It doesn't work for me either. So mm-hmm. I think sometimes you have to get out into another place and have no interruptions. And, and I think a key point there is not expecting too much of yourself. Yeah. It's, it, I it produce is, yeah. a lot more when I keep my expectations realistic that yeah. I do, and 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 the you know the example that I use is if I set my goal at ten thousand words a day and I write six thousand, I've had a really bad day. But yeah. if I set my goal but at not 5, really though because but you, day and I write six thousand, then I've had a really really successful day and exact exact same amount of work done. So you know pull the numbers out of your head, but but if you, yeah. if I set my my expectations realistically so that I can achieve those most days, I end up feeling better about myself, and that means I end up accomplishing more in the long run. See, I think what's happened to me a lot of times is before I did radio shows, before I did a lot of things, I would just write, and it, mm-hmm. I, had, I, I also worked, but I would just write. Okay, I wouldn't have to think about that, and. In my mind, I go, okay, I'm not going to worry about if I have to put this out on Facebook, this out on Instagram. And I think for me, I'm getting to that point now where after all these years of like, well, it's probably nine years since I'm doing the show, since it's become so much social media, that I've made the decision I'm just writing. I cannot look at a lot of things Mm -hmm. that I was looking Mm -hmm. at before because I think I never had writer's block until social media. Mhm. So, what do you, what's your advice? What's your advice? Yes. Um, well, I think to be selective about which social media we use and not try to keep up with all of them because it is a full time. It would be a full time job. I think it is, media. and it's right. And and everybody that listens yeah. to my show knows how I feel about that. So I do sometimes hire people. Like I, we we were talking about before the show started that I do hire people, but then I have found out. It really doesn't help me at all because mm-hmm. a lot of times the link goes to whoever is doing whatever the banners for me or whatever their link goes out mm-hmm. and my link is is not really out there and they're promoting themselves and I uh-huh. am promoting them and everybody. I'm happy to promote people. That's why I'm starting that Michigan Avenue Media podcast group. So I like to help people. So I will be happy mm-hmm. to do it that way. But it's so confusing a lot of times for people when they see a name of somebody that is doing your posting and you and then their link yes. and your link. Yes. So I think that people have to watch and I think out that, for that. And I think the result there for readers is that because of that extra distance, they don't have the personal connection, and right. therefore it, it passes over the head. 
um, where a, a personal connection, a personal comment back from from an author uh, yeah. or, you know, even a friend. Uh, it would be like, you know, you post a birthday greeting to Aunt Millie and Aunt Millie doesn't answer, but, but you know, Cousin John does. Uh, thank you for your greeting to Aunt Millie. I'll make sure she sees it someday. Wow, that's really going to make yeah, me right. want to do that again. Right, and and mm-hmm. and that is a difference because I think that mm-hmm. you know, even, look at all the years that you've written all those books that you've written. You didn't have social media like this. That's right. I didn't and have I mean, that kind of yeah. thing um, grabbing your head. attention. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and I, it does grab your attention. And I think that you know, uh, I I have I had listened to an Instagram webinar, and one of the things that they said was if you you know, being active on Instagram is a good thing, but you also have to tell kind of a story so they know really who you are. And if they mm-hmm. do that through different pictures, and if you could you could put different pictures, not only the picture of your books or what you're trying to sell, you could put your website or whatever down underneath, but you could just show them a picture of something else. And so because you can't keep putting mm-hmm. the same thing out. And, I, you know, even though we have a, I have a lot of banners, I have a lot of covers, they're saying that, if people keep seeing the same thing, it mm-hmm. is boring. It is. And it is boring. boring. And I never really thought mm-hmm. about it that way. Yeah. You know. And it, because, is, and it becomes yeah, impersonal. Yeah. Where and I think, know, people yeah. feel they have a connection, an individual connection with you, then, then that's, um, that's a much more effective way to communicate. And the other thing is I think people also think that you can only put like one sentence down. But according to the uh, webinar that I was listening to, which was really good, that you can put excerpts down and put things like that to try mm-hmm. to get people interested in your book. And I think, you know, sometimes we think maybe we're doing that too much, but maybe not. Because sometimes if somebody, like I, I was an agent for 20 years, and I would send to 10 pages of the script. Because I felt like in those days we could do that. So 10 pages, mm-hmm. if they like the style of writing, they will want to read more. If they don't, yes, they don't want to read more. That's it. And it wouldn't make so, any difference if you sent the whole right, script. Exactly. They don't like right, the first exactly. 10 pages. You know, and that's how Hollywood does work, whether they say so or not. Mm-hmm. But it's true. If, if they're bored, and that's what the problem is. Our world is so fast now that yes, it is. if people get bored, bye-bye, you're gone. We used to they have don't give a you that first chance. chapter. We yeah. used to have the whole first chapter to capture the reader's attention. And now if we don't have it on page one, that reader is going to move on to something else because yeah. it's just way too easy. There's way too many things out there requiring attention um, yeah. to get involved, to, to spend the extra time and think, well, maybe it will get better in another chapter or two. Readers don't do that. But it, Right. And sometimes, you know, like when I go to a movie, sometimes at the beginning – it may be a little slow, but by the end mm-hmm. of the movie, if you've enjoyed it and you go, this is a great ending, it really is a good movie. It's not that first 20 minutes, mm-hmm. but that's what's happened now. So I think, and that's why what you were saying before is if you just don't like what you've written, move on and then get rid of the other move on. because mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's a hard thing to do yeah. because you don't always know, but then if you've written enough and you're not interested or it gets no emotion from you at all as the writer. Uh huh. Yep. If it if now, it ends now, up being I don't care what happens to these characters, then right. yeah, that one goes in the that one goes in the scrap heap. 
So, all right, now if somebody is, you know, you call it in your book, the establishing your framework. So mm-hmm. I think that that's yep. kind of like what we're into talking about now. So what are the elements that you feel that people will help them? Because, you know, that's hard. You know, you have to, you know, even if you don't write with an outline, you should have some idea of where you're going. And, I mean, I exactly. a lot of times don't, but you still have to have something. Mm-hmm. So what do you tell people? Yeah. I don't write with an outline. Some some stories I'll write with a timeline of, you know, a, a listing of basic events. But usually um, what I need to know when I start writing a book is who the main characters are, what their problem is at the beginning of the of the book, what kind of difficulty draws them together, keeps them in the story, and how that affects their long-term issues, why these people have not been able to find love before. Um, so we have characters and conflict, and then we need to know what the what the love story is, what the happy ending is. Um, so, you know, basically those are the elements that we need. We need to know, you know, who is the hero and what makes him heroic? Who is the heroine? What makes her somebody that the reader is going to feel like she wants to be friends with? What are their issues that get them into into this situation? Um, what is what is the happy ending? It helps me a lot to know what the black moment is, what that horrible surprise is, or that yeah. revelation that that threatens the happy ending. Um, and and it it helps a lot to know up front. You know, if you're writing about a a city girl and a country boy, well, are they going to end up in the city or are they going to end up in the country? What's what's the happy ending for these two? Ah. Um, yeah, and just just as uh, you know, any whatever whatever your issue is, if you have two people who are in enough conflict that they can't immediately solve it in chapter one, well, how are they going to solve it in the end? So you know what direction you're headed for, and that helps plant the clues along the way. So because it makes when, a when you're, on the incidents when you you're doing the conflict. You you also mm-hmm. mentioned in your book why the love story isn't the same as the conflict. So I mean, so that's what a lot a of times people, yeah, yeah. In a love story, the romance is not the same thing as the conflict. Um, and and if we have a love story in which two people meet and they go out for coffee and they talk about their childhoods and they say, oh, this is just this is wonderful. And do you want to go to the movie on Saturday night? Well. That's fantastic in real life, and it's really nice to be in a relationship where there's no high drama. That's yeah. not very interesting to read about. And yeah. you know, <laughs> how many how many of the romances you've yeah. read are things that you actually would like to get to have happen to you? Not very many, right. but that's <laughs> what makes them exciting to read. And, and sometimes I think we get confused because um, we we're trying to write something realistic. But the difference between realistic and and plausible is is broad. Um, you know, not too many of us would like to end up married to the guy that we were held hostage in the bank robbery with, because right. you know, really, right. when you get down deep, that's the only thing you've got in common. Yeah. But it makes right. for a great story in the book. Yeah. See, that's a, yeah, that's a good yeah. But you know, I mean, there's so many. You know, now I I don't know about you, but I do watch a lot of these series now you know, on HBO mm-hmm. and, you know, and sure. the other day I was watching a lot of, a lot of them in a row that I just, you know, that I waited the third episode, fourth, you know, cause I, let, let's say the sinner, um, uh, a lot of different stories like that, you know, succession. You know, and then I'm thinking, mm-hmm. my God, there's so many problems 
in all of these things. Sometimes, though, it's like I'm exhausted. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, because I think the writing is really good on a lot of things. I, I loved the um, HBO, The Affair. And um, it's really, I think, really good writing. And sometimes when I'm done with it, it's like so tiring, you know. And when they mm-hmm. ended the way they ended their whole series now, and it's like, oh my god! But then you go at the end and go, all right. But they, it was so intense that then you sometimes sit there and think, like, how can I write after this? <laughs> because it's got so much <laughs> in your head, and there are so many mm-hmm. of these very intense, like they're sharp objects. Now you're looking at these people, and they're and the reason they're good is because you're actually in their life much more than it used exactly. to be. Exactly. Fluff. I mean, mm-hmm. these, you're in there, and it's like, oh, really? I mean, it's and it's so many things. Like, and you know, you've said it before many times about the secrets that people keep. And oh, yes. these shows have a lot of secrets. They have a lot of know. secrets. They have a lot of traumatized lot. characters that you sometimes wonder how they ever could be happy. I know this. Um, and, I, you know, yeah, and it's like, and, and, and if at the end. If at the end you're saying, okay, yeah, you're telling each other you love each other, but uh, I don't think it's going to last, that's not a good ending for a romance. And see, years ago, certainly you wrote for Harlick, and you know what that is, Mm -hmm. happy endings. (laughs) But it is in life. It is in life always. No, it isn't isn't life. It isn't life. And and, uh, sometimes people have asked me, well, uh, the books you write, aren't they just like a soap opera? And I said, no, actually they're about the opposite of a soap opera because, you know, when people get married in a soap opera, they're going to have trouble again next week. And, yes. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's dwelling on the, on the negatives and there's always going to be horrendous problems down the road and, and romance is the opposite. So again, you know, you know it's yeah. not, a, not realistic, but it does have to be plausible and it has to be plausible that these people have solved their problems enough that they actually can be happy right. and, and, and it, communicate together. And it together. is strange though, in like the soap operas, you know, I watched when my mother was ill, I started watching some of her soap operas and then I'm now taping them. Okay. So I mm-hmm. am taping them, but the one thing is that they keep going like there's ten characters, let's just say, and then mm-hmm. this one loves this one, and that one loves this one, and this one's married to this one, and they're going to remarry that one, and then they're going to have an affair with the sister, with the brother, and the <laughs> husband, and the grandfather, whatever, you know. And it's like doesn't it feel sometimes like they're just drawing slips of paper out of a hat? And, and yeah, and I'm thinking out, like, you know? can you yeah. put a few new characters in here? Because really, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like you don't even want to see some of them together. You're going, what? I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you don't always feel like seeing that the son and the father are going to be in love with the same women and, you know, and everything works out. It doesn't because somewhere along the line, that relationship is not great, you know, because, yes. you know, either the mm-hmm. father doesn't talk to the son then or the son doesn't talk to the father or the baby, somebody else's baby. And, you know, but when you're <laughs> writing a book, if you did that, they would go, what is so boring, <laughs> Really? Can you mm-hmm. figure out, you know, put somebody in else in there, you know, um, put another character, do something. So I think, yeah. you know, it, there's so many forms of writing. It, and I do think, though, that, you know, as I said before, that some of these series are really good because they didn't have mm-hmm. this kind of writing out there years ago. Yeah. I mean, there yep. is. And that's what people do have to get their emotions, you know, 
So if you feel emotional, how do you get, like when Mm -hmm. you're writing a character, how do you get the most out of your characters emotionally that your reader will feel something? I keep asking why. Why do you feel this way? Why are you doing this? Why are you saying this? Why aren't you saying this? Why? Hmm. And and that's always the answer for me is the motivation behind the character. Uh, Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Why? Right. Because if you have so many questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, but it is a lot like question. life. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. like you you don't you don't copy. You're not really writing a character from someone you know. It's just different facets of life that get into one character, but it's mm-hmm. not that one person. Do you, do you feel that way? It, yeah, I yeah. found it easier to create a character from scratch, better to create a character from scratch than it is to try to base it on a real person. I, yeah, my, I myself, yeah. I find using a real person as a model to be limiting because I keep thinking about, well, you know, this is what she really would have done or this is how she yeah. really is, and, and that limits what that character can do. Um, so I'm better off to maybe pick a characteristic from somebody that that I know, but not ever to try to base a character on a real person. Yeah, yeah, I I do that too, you know, because, um, you know, and especially because I've written a lot of, you know, like when I get reviews on, uh, let's say, a a good review, when I get a good review for It's Never Too Late for Love, well, they go, oh, this Mm -hmm. should be a movie. I'm going like, well, yes, this was a movie that I wrote as a screenplay. It wasn't a movie, but it wasn't made yet, but it was from a screenplay. So it's interesting Mm -hmm. that they got that from that because, it was written from that, but when I was just explaining to someone before, we were talking about that, about screenplays and books, because it's so hard to get screenplays taken. I've had a lot yes, of options. It is. And if very hard. And it, right. I've had options, and, you know, they don't go anywhere, you know. So mm-hmm. then I figured, I tell people now, if you can, I mean, not everybody can write a book, but if you can, and use that as an outline, and your screenplay, and at least you've got a chance of it getting out there, and then mm-hmm. somebody will say, like, this is a good book. It should be a movie, and maybe it will be then. <laughs> but if it's and, in a drawer, you can say, it's funny. Yeah. I just happen to have a screenplay tucked away. Right, in my exactly. <laughs> yeah. you know, they're, they're very different forms of writing, yes. but, um, but it, it, it's always smart when you're writing a book to think in terms of vi- visually. How yeah. would how could this be made into a movie? Right, um, right, and not just because you think it should characters. be. Right, yeah, and not, and not just you, because you think it could, but but thinking right. ahead to well, how would it be made into a movie can sometimes affect um, the choices that you make in in writing a book and make it right. a better book because you're writing visually. Well, I do think that when I re- write things in a book, it is much better than my screenplays because I myself, as the author, learn about the character where mm-hmm. sometimes it's just all dialogue when or not all well it is all a lot of dialogue you know naturally in the script but mm-hmm. the inner workings of that person comes out more in a book in the book mm-hmm. absolutely than it ever would do in a screenplay and you have and so much it, more room right. to explore the character in yes. a book than you do in a screenplay yeah. Yeah, see, I think these are the things that people don't think about, you know, because there's so much that goes into writing a book that Mm -hmm. people don't, you know, like, you know, they say, okay, fine, I'll sit down and write it, and it doesn't just write itself. And you have so many points, you know, here we're going to talk about another thing. This is important, in a romance especially, the 
sexual tension and love scenes? How much is yes. too much and how much is not enough? What do you think? Well, that's a really difficult question to answer because there's yes. such a wide range now <laughs> in, in the genres from, you know, from the, the inspirational romance that, you know, there's probably a kiss on the last page, but that's it, to the erotic romance that, you know, has an, an incredible amount of, of sexual contact and, and fantasy. And you've done them all. Um, you've done all kinds. I've, I've done a wide range of that. I haven't, yes, you I have. haven't ever gone to either extreme, but I've, but I've done, you know, the middle uh, in all its variations. Um, and, and so you have to be aware of the audience and the expectations of your audience. And if you're aiming at a particular publisher, what they're, what their um, standards are and, and that kind of thing. But then beyond that, what's right for the characters? Yeah. Um, the more, the more um, uh, erotic the romance is, that, that means that, that that character needs to have some experience, have some, you know, it has to be appropriate for that character. And so if you have a very young virginal heroine, she's not going to be out swinging in a club. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it, yeah. You have to, what's appropriate for these characters? What's appropriate for this situation? If you're sending your hero and heroine to, you know, Aunt Maggie's house to stay for Christmas, then they're probably not going to be having sex in the bathtub. At least I hope so. <laughs> right, um, right. So, you know, what's appropriate to the situation and the setting, and, and is that going to be, you know, there's a there would be a way to make that very, very titillating for the, yeah. for the reader. <laughs> But it also could be just a dramatic turnoff, you know. Oh, Dick, how how classless can you be? So a lot yeah, of it does yeah. depend on how you handle it. But but think of the characters, what's appropriate for them, what's appropriate for the situation, and then how to handle it in a way that gets the reaction that you want from your reader. And that's a good answer for especially don't write just for the market because you think if people want sexier, they want the story. They want a good story. They want the story, the best erotic romance. If you take the erotica out of it, you would still have a wonderful, wonderful story. And that's what I think happens a lot of times is that people think that, that and somebody told me once, she said, I could write those books if, if I could just figure out the filler in between the sex scenes, the fluff in between the sex scenes. And I'm saying, but right. that's what the book is. Book is. Right. And I, because, book. right, exactly. You know, when I started doing radio shows years ago, I think I've mentioned this a lot of times on the show, but it's true. Um, we had this woman on, and um, April Robin was, she she owned, you know, the Red River. So uh, she would call me and say, do you want to do this kind of show or that kind of show? Do you want to do, you know, very sexy, erotic? And I, I said, all right. At that time, I was even having, I couldn't, I, I, that was never on my mind to do scenes like that. Mm-hmm. So we had one of the women on, and she said what she does is she writes the book, and then when she's doing the sexy scenes are the ones that you close, you want to close the door you know, mm-hmm. and some, sometimes you have to learn how to close the door and you don't bring it in or you open the door and let everybody in, you know. Yes. And uh, mm-hmm. so, and I think that because people but no matter they need to no ma- one One quick point there, Marcia. No yes. matter which way you go, whether you close the bedroom door or you don't close it, the important thing is the emotional attachment involved. Exactly. It isn't which, exactly. which body parts go in which, which spot. It's or you know whose hand gets put on what? Um, it's the emotional component. Exactly, there. it's what those characters are feeling. I had a publisher, a publishers on, and they they were erotic publishers, 
and very mm-hmm. sexy books. And they changed over. They changed. They do a different way route now. But anyway, they were saying that they would sometimes sit because when they were starting to take all these you know new people as writers, they would sit and figure out how they got in that scene if that could possibly work in the sex scene because <laughs> they were. That was just reminded me when you were saying that they put their arm over this way, you know, and because the, you have to be able to got, know that someone could do this. Arms involved, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> and, you know, and will it happen? You know, and I know, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I'm learning along with everybody else that listens to my shows because, you know, I have – we had somebody on last week. We had a great group from Blushing Books, and I said, okay, explain this to everybody. They were talking about a dungeon and BSDM, you know, and I, I didn't even mm-hmm. know this when I started writing. I really didn't. And they were explaining the whole thing because I think people think it's what, it's not exactly what people think, but there are people that live like this, and that's their life. Yes, but if are. you don't think mm-hmm. you can write like that, don't. Because it doesn't write what's a style for you, not because you think just, you want yeah. to do that. Just because something's trendy and something is yeah. hot and that's what publishers are chasing after right this minute does not make it yeah. something that's right for yeah. you. Um, right. And you're better off you're better off sticking with something that you are convinced that you like personally and that you are convinced yeah. is, is good. Um, it's a good story, and that you know, has more last. It's a good story, yeah. A yes, good story you know, good story. and and I do, yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent on what you're saying because you you have to know your characters and don't put them in scenes that they're not going to feel Just comfortable. Just to put them in scenes, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and I think that you know, and use your emotions. I think that I'm learning that more now because I'm thinking like, just don't be afraid to put yourself in the emotional state to get to that character's point of view or how they're feeling because that makes good writing. And that's hard to do sometimes because people are trying to write books so fast now. And Mm -hmm. so I, in my head, I'm I'm going like, all right, you wrote this screenplay. Now you're writing it in a book. Now you get where you need to go and do it emotionally. Mm-hmm. Don't just write it. Write it as uh-huh. you're in it. Yes, you know. And let your reader feel that she's right in that story too. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And a lot of you know, and a lot of men read romances. So I think that they do. They often don't talk about it, but they read exactly. them. Exactly. But and sometimes if you write, you know, the romantic comedy. You know, when people are saying romantic comedy, it means a lot to a lot of different things now than it used to be. A romantic comedy years ago was just really funny and light and whatever, but you can have some mm-hmm. drama. See, and as a writer, yes. I've learned how to do that where I didn't know that at the beginning. I couldn't get there at the beginning, how to put mm-hmm. drama and comedy in the same book. Do you ever the get that? comedy... Yeah, the best comedy arises out of the characters. It isn't jokes. It isn't okay. slapstick. It's it arises out of their outlook on life, and their attitude, and that's what makes a situation funny, is you know how they feel about it. Yeah, as yeah. well as what's happening. It took me a long, long time actually to get to that point because you know a lot of times when you when I I used to write more screenplays, so it would it was hard for me to get to these points when I'm writing sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you continue writing, you you can't learn all this right away. It doesn't happen that way. It comes with practice. Yeah. 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 And a lot of it. And a lot of times. A when, lot of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
I, I like the part when you said, I'll remember this, though, and I'll probably be quoting this, but I think when you said you just t- take the story and burn it. This mm-hmm. is a great thing. It's yep. so freeing. I keep thinking that in my head. It was absolutely that. freeing. Yeah. Because yeah. those words on those pages weren't working, and the temptation was there to say, well, if I change this and to a but, is that going to make it better? No. Yeah. no. The whole thing no. needs to go. Yeah. And then the few good pieces there stayed in my head. Yeah, so and see, sometimes if I'm writing, later. even from a screenplay, well, if I'm writing something, I'll take the screenplay and put it away. Go, like, forget this, mm-hmm. move on, okay? And write the story as because I know the story, and just forget that. Just use your characters yeah. and put them in. Put Do what needs to be done. Don't go back and keep looking at what they did. We're in a new format now. We're so in a new incarnation. Yeah, exactly. We're in a you whole new format. We're in a whole new genre. <laughs> yeah. It's not easy to it think of hard. all these things. It's hard. You know, to, it's hard to look at something and say, you know, I put all this effort into this 200-page manuscript or this 120-page screenplay, and now, you know, I need to destroy it and start over. Um, yeah. That's hard. It and is. That's where where the best writing comes out and the best stories because that's how we learn about those characters and then can move See, on but you're calling your version. book like writing the romance novel. Okay, but yes. actually the things that you say in the book and the things we've They're been talking about apply to, to everything. Writing. Because even if mm-hmm. you're writing a, a drama or you're writing mm-hmm. a thriller, uh, there's sexual uh, tension between characters. And so the, your book can help relationships. them. Yeah. yeah. Every, and I think that's where people go like, oh, romance. You know, roman- romance mm-hmm. is just a part of any story. Because mm-hmm. they say, oh, it I is. don't want to read that book because they said it's a romance book. But a romance book can have a great story. It's not, I think that's mm-hmm. what people have to get over sometimes is that there's romance in it, but there's a story. That's what you, you know, and so what you're saying now and what we're talking about applies to everything. You have to have good characters. Yes, they have Without to have them, a conflict. There has to be a reason that this that this character is worth a story right now. Why should the reader yeah. spend two or three hours of of her life learning about this character? What's the problem that makes them yeah. worthwhile? And yeah. then how is that ending satisfying? Not necessarily happy ever after, but how is it satisfying? Yeah. And an example that I often use is, you know, if you read a mystery novel and at the end the, the detective said, oh, I don't think we'll ever find out who did it, you know, well, that's not exactly a satisfying ending. Um, yeah. So, you know, it has to be resolved. It has to make sense. It has to convince the reader and, and, and leave the reader feeling good about the situation, that it's resolved. Right. Yes, because that's true, because you, you want to say, well, that's probably one of the only ways it could have ended, you know, um, mm-hmm. because I didn't see that sometimes coming, they have to wow, grow. that's right. the only way it could have ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, because, yeah. and, you know, sometimes when people, you know, I use, you know, TV as an example for me, because I relax while I watch, mm-hmm. I don't know if I relax, because I'm not sure that I know how to do that, but I'm really, I'm watching TV, and then I, I'm, my husband's always laughing, I go, no, this is the only way it could have ended, because it it just it wasn't a, they needed to do this to end it, even though it may not be something somebody might think was the right ending. Sometimes the characters have to end in a certain way, uh, you know, for the to person be true to watching. The character. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
and that's, it's all about that's people. one of the reasons that it's wise for authors to know as they start a project or early on in the project how they're going to end it because mm-hmm. otherwise you, you come up to this last chapter and say, oh, wow, I have to get them together, but I don't know how. Um, but if you know from the beginning basically what that happy ending is going to be, where they're going to be, who gives in, what, what their, yeah. their compromise is, then you can write toward that and have a much more convincing ending. Well, if they change, you know, sometimes you can't change, you know, you can only change yourself. So if the character wants to change, that's good. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, yeah. it's just the way it is, you know. I and mean, you can't, then, and the author can't yeah. just say, oh, well, he's going to change and make yeah. that satisfying. Yeah. I mean, that's how I feel, you know, when I'm writing. But, mm-hmm. you know, you, you don't, so if people that are listening, you know, and they're just starting a book, you don't have to think about all these things. It's just you have to keep them somewhere in your mind when you're writing that to make your story work that you can do this. But, like mm-hmm. you said, practice. Because if they write a story and they don't like the ending, read that maybe they could read the story and see where it went wrong and exactly. Mm-hmm. Because they already know where they are at the end. Yes, and especially if you know where you want to be at the end, then you then you know. I think my editor you can figure out the pieces you need. My editor there. does go crazy for me sometimes, but I explain to him what I do. Is sometimes I'm writing the whole story, and then I go back and fill in things that I didn't mm-hmm. think. You know, I didn't know I was going to need, but I think sometimes. You don't want to always do that because then, you know, but you, I like everything to fit a certain way. But when you have an editor, they are, that's what they're there for. They're there to tell you, like, you know what, I don't understand this. Or uh-huh. I don't understand that because you or may why know it. Or why did she say this when three pages yeah. ago she said the opposite? Right. Yeah. Right. And you mm-hmm. may know it, and but you didn't, the people you that didn't are reading put it on the do page. not know this. Yeah. And yeah. that is an, when, such an important part. Yeah, when we're reading what we've written, we don't only see the words on the page. We remember what we were thinking when we wrote it, and we hear the voices, and and we know yeah, who's in the yeah. room. And and sometimes it it is hard to remember that maybe I haven't put that on the page, and then that's why everybody needs an editor. Everybody needs somebody to, oh, you to come back and say, you know, what did you mean yeah. by that? Yeah, and even if you get mad at the editor, you still have mm-hmm. to, you know, you know, you have to listen because. You don't. You can't see that. Like you know, I was reading a screenplay that I wrote, and I'm writing a book on it. And I actually, I was surprised that I actually liked the screenplay when I was done. I haven't read it in like ten years, but I uh-huh. actually said, "Oh, I'm not going to change this because this is where the book is coming from, and I'm going to keep it." Because usually in my head, I go, "Oh, I'm going to change this," or that. and it, because sometimes when you read it years later, you go, "Well, it's okay. You know, it's not bad." You know, because mm-hmm. sometimes I have a tendency to do that. Go, oh, it's not that great, you know. And then when I read it, I go, oh, mm-hmm. it, works. it works. You know, and sometimes if you put it away a little and um, you go back to it, it may work. Always but, a like good you, idea to yeah, have distance. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because like you said, you know, sometimes it just isn't there, you know, and mm-hmm. or maybe it is there, and you because you've been working on it so much and changing it, sometimes you're not even sure. You know, and yes. sometimes when you go, I don't know, when you when I go back, sometimes if I'm talking about it, then I go, oh, yeah, the character did do this, or they did do that. And mm-hmm. you might not remember it because you're just moving on, you know, and 
it would be nice if you I've could had, remember everything, but sometimes, yeah, but, you know, you know, did they wear their characters? I've had times that a character said the same thing twice because I forgot that I'd used it once. Yeah. Um, and and have to have to find that out. But sometimes you, know, you can use the same word. I I know some people say like, oh, you cannot mm-hmm. use the same word on the page. I'm going like, this is not true, because you sometimes there's only one word on that can maybe describe something. Yeah, that's that. Depends on how it's used. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I know Danielle Steele. She used to write a mm-hmm. lot of things over and over, and then that's okay because it fits. Because I think mm-hmm. people are so afraid, and they're also afraid, which I've noticed that I was getting afraid to use said in anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you talk just a minute about that, a little sure. while about just about that? Because that's hard because I tried myself, and you, and then when I look at books, I'm going like, well, they all say that. So why am I worried about it? What about said? The thing, said is, this. The thing about said, he said and she said, is that because it's a convention of fiction, the eye becomes blind to it. The reader's eye becomes blind to it. We register that it's he said, she said, but it doesn't jump out at us in the same way that it does if we say he gritted or or she laughed or or you know he orated or you know some of those yeah, right. absolutely yeah, yeah. Uh, he said foolishly you know all those those um, added phrases and those made up ones that we've all tried so hard because our third grade teacher said stop I know and, and then that's I'm what we're still books. reacting to is the third grade I know. teacher yeah um, don't make it usually don't make it complicated you know, just write it don't yeah don't yeah don't make it complicated <laughs> it, it, instead of saying you know he it, sometimes you need to say he shouted but you know if you can make the words a shout then you don't have to yeah. say he shouted yeah and use actions, and then you're then you're moving your characters around the scene, and you're creating a visual for the reader as and, well as attributing the dialogue. Well, the other thing think, too is to set, set yeah. up your dialogue so that it, whenever possible, that you only have two people in them, and yeah. uh, and that makes it a lot easier to do your attribution right, as well. Right, right, right. Because right, and when I tell people about with screenplays, you're seeing it because you're it's a whole different exactly. way to see things because you're seeing it on the screen or whatever, and so mm-hmm. you know who's talking, but you uh-huh. don't. You know, know how many ta- people are in the. You know how many people yeah. are in the room. You know yeah. who's there, uh, and you don't. You don't have that in a book unless the author puts it on the page. Right, exactly. And so I think, you know, I, I always love having you on because I'm thinking of all the things, and you just put it in in easier terms for people to understand, and they're not so hard on themselves when they're writing. Because, well, and that's you. why, you know, your book, you know, you've got it labeled, you know, on the chapters, whatever, and mm-hmm. and people, it's not a book you, like, look through once and you're done. You may have a problem, you're at a conflict, you go, okay. What is what do we do here? And then you could pick up your book and look at that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that people don't realize that they need to do that, even though you're writing. I don't care how many years you're writing. It's always good to see what somebody else is telling you for a style, only because it helps you realize mm-hmm. and not make you. You won't get stale that way. You know, you it does help new. to keep from getting stale. Yeah. Because you yeah, could get still of writing the same thing. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. You know, and that's why reading. And so you you ha- still hold your classes. So if people want their, I, your classes, how teach, do they yeah. how do they do? I this? teach at Gotham it, Gotham Writers Workshop um, in New York City. They're online classes. The website is writingclasses.com. 
and I teach um, beginning and advanced romance writing there. But Gotham also offers a lot of uh, many, many other classes, article writing, memoir writing, uh, mystery, children's books, all kinds of things. So it's well worth the trip to writingclasses.com um, to look at all the all the offerings there. And it's all done online um, then? It's all done online. The week, okay. the courses, most of the courses are ten weeks long. Mine are ten weeks long, and each week there is a notebook assignment between the instructor and the student that's private, just between the two of us. And then at least twice during the term, students put their work up, and everybody in the class comments and gives feedback. And many times we learn more from looking at somebody else's work and saying, "Oh, here's what works, and here's what doesn't, and here's the right. point which I got bored out of my mind." Um, than than it does to look at our own stuff. And then we can go back and look at our own things and say, oh, I did that too. I made that same mistake. Um, So the writing classes are are really very, very good for anybody who is serious about about getting into the field. Um, And they build camaraderie with other students. There's there's nearly always a group that continues after the class is over and continues to stay in touch and share work. Uh, Just a really, really good... um, Good, good. Which is why you know, th- you know, this is really why one of the reasons I love doing the show after even after nine years because I mm-hmm. like to hear what you say and or the people my guests say because it's so interesting. I think to because yes. when you talk to your regular friends, they don't even get anything we're talking about. When you're talking no, to people no, that are don't. writers, it's a different conversation because we get it. We know. We go like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. really? And yeah. it's it, that helps so much. It doesn't yeah. help as much. Like, I know people get beta readers, and I, I don't actually do that. I, My editor and I do it because I don't really mm-hmm. want ten people telling me what to do in my story. I'd rather have my editor who knows how I write make me figure out what might be wrong with my story, but not 10 people mm-hmm. telling me, like, maybe it should be this way or that way. I, to me, that I don't think that's really advantageous to a writer. I think listening to someone like you who's done this and who understands, but some beta readers are just reading if they like the story, and that, to me, isn't exactly enough. I want somebody that, that's going to yeah. tell me yeah. what's mm-hmm. wrong. Yes, and and have the experience to tell you yes. what's wrong, and not just I, that I didn't like it. I think uh, I think it's important if somebody wants to use beta readers to know exactly what you're after with that, because exactly. sometimes at some stages I like it, I don't like it is exactly what you're after. But uh, when it gets to serious serious editing, and I I do think too many cooks can be a really bad box. thing for the I, book. I, yeah, I feel you that. End up, yeah, you end up just yeah. yeah. Because you know, and it it does help to use the same editor because they know your style. It does. It does. They they know know the style. They know how you think. Yeah, they do. And they can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't like what they say. I always say that. that If I'm talking to you, Jeff, I said, I'm saying to you, if I ever talk to you about my books, I said, and this is my first book, I'm not writing ever again. (laughs) Because I'm just thinking, oh, my God. But he knows me, and then I I go on, and it's fine. Mm -hmm. And then when he edits it, I'm going like, oh, he didn't take anything out, really. He just fixed it. But it's like I'm thinking, (laughs) oh, maybe I should never write. because. And he goes, what are you talking about? I didn't say that, but I'm thinking like, okay, because the red pen comes, well, now it's on the computer, so you're going like, you know, all these questions. I'm going like, why? Didn't he understand that? 
<laughs> but you do this, yes. you know. We can't help it, you know. But yes. then it always works well, I was out always at the good. end. I was always good at hanging up the phone from a talk with a revision letter talk with my editor and screaming oh, for about five minutes. <laughs> yeah, and and then I'd go back and look and say, well, yeah, she's right about that one. She's I right know. About that one. Here's I how know. I can fix this one. And, and once in a while, there was one that I would say, you know, I can't do what you've asked me to do, but here's yep. why. And yep. explain why that didn't work with the character or the motivation. And, I, you know, I did 99% of the revisions that my editors asked for. But, yep. yes, I would scream a yep. little while before I started. Yeah, I would just go, I go, like, everything you do is fine, but do me a favor. The dialogue, no. You need to keep it. Like, uh-huh. well, if I have a dog that's talking, the dog needs to talk that way. That's that. <laughs> this is how the dog talks. You know, uh, that my strongest feature is my dialogue. My other features, no, I have issues. So he fixes them. But I said, the dialogue, no. You could take out a line, but don't change the way they talk. You know, and yes. for me, that's yes. what I care about. You know, and every writer mm-hmm. has their own thing, right? Like you're saying, when you get off the phone, you go, but at the end of the day, when I'm done with the book, I go, oh, this works. This is good yeah. because he did it right. You know, good. he did it. He did it, mm-hmm. and it, but all at once when you're writing it, and and then he, you're talking about it, it's like, oh my god, really? You know, but it works. <laughs> I know. Yep. All right. I yes. hope you're going to come a, on soon. That's a really. You know, you're going to say oh, yeah. something else. Go ahead. Uh, no, that's a really what, precious relationship when you have yeah, another you can work with like that. I know that. Yes, it is good. You know, <laughs> so uh, we've actually actually we wrote a screenplay together, which was fine. <laughs> oh, that would be fun. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. know. Uh, I haven't tried to do that one in a book yet because that then well at least he'll be the editor for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. You know, we, I have so many thoughts in my head, like I know you do too, and all of us out there that are writing. So, you know, that's after I talk to you, now I'm thinking, good, all right, just keep on the way, go where you're going, because <laughs> you do put it in a good perspective. I, I always like well, listening to how you do it. I hope when you're writing you can do this in your head. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you? sometimes better okay, than others. Sometimes. Okay. All right. Thank you all for listening. And, um, again, thank you, Lee, and hopefully you'll come on soon. I can't believe that the summer's almost over. Oh, my God. Yes. Anytime, Marsha. I'd love to come back. All right. Good. All right. Thank you and good night. It's not good night. I'm so used to doing my night shows. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.